Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final Advent edition of the Monday check-in. I am Damon Jensen-Heitman, one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church of Hastings, Nebraska. This is the final Advent one. The question is, will there be one next week, or is this the final December one as well? Oh, yeah, we should have talked about that before we went on the air as it were but uh well i guess we'll leave that that an open question until the uh life of the church portion of our time together maybe that sounds good good (laughs) um for those that may not know this uh what we do here is we take a look at the scripture for the upcoming sunday Uh, we have a little chat about it a little mini bible study if you will and then we share a little bit about what's going on in the life and times of First Pres Hastings. And then we go on our merry way after that. <laughs> so um, so I guess we're just going to hop right into it. I have one, one question, though, before we get into the scripture. Okay. Well, possibly a series of questions, but, what, but at any rate. So on, I was thinking about this Sunday while you were preaching. You're talking about stars and this sort of thing, right? Yep. What's your understanding of where the, the wise men came from where in relation to Bethlehem? From the east. They came from the east, right? From now, the east, right. It, it's, the, it's understood. I mean, so the, the star idea, needs to be in the west, doesn't it? For them, yes. It would need to be in the western sky for them to follow it. They're coming from the east to the west. Right. So the star can't be in the east. Right. <laughs> so where's the star? Who well, is the star east talking, of? Are you talking about the conjunction event that's happening tonight? Or are you no, talking no, no. about I'm talking about the star. There's a star in the east, right? Is and that led them to, does, and that does led it, them to Bethlehem? Does it say that the star was in the east that led them to Bethlehem? Mm-hmm. I guess, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out on Christmas Eve. Or are we making this up? Is this an extra biblical narrative that has entered our minds and we think it might be biblical? Because that happens sometimes. Uh, I don't know. If it's, I think that it says that it was in the East. I think I, the wise men came from the East, but the star was in the East? I, I think, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this will come up on Christmas Eve. Maybe we'll find out in one of the readings. It's possible. And, uh, and perhaps uh, we'll talk about it. Although that's not the plan for my Christmas Eve sermon right now. Well, no, I'm not saying that. At any rate, we'll do some research and we'll get back to people. I was very confused about this on Sunday morning. Fair enough. And on that note, uh, we are going to be talking about next Sunday, which is the Sunday after Christmas. We will have Christmas Eve. Uh, and you'll just have to be surprised about what we preach about on Christmas Eve this year. Uh, but here's here's a teaser. The Little Drummer Boy. Ooh. Which is also an extra biblical narrative. <laughs> that almost sounds like more than a tease. Well, I mean, who knows what direction that's going to go. I got you. <laughs> I do, because I've seen the title for the sermon. But... Well, but nobody else has. I won't reveal it here. All right. 
a star in the east over the title of the sermon and it will lead people to it yep and i think uh it's possible you and your wife might be previewing a new hit that night as well yeah possibly that's that's what i hear that's that's we'll the see what we can we'll see what we can get figured out out and about there so mm-hmm. but why don't we jump into our study now which is going to be uh for the sunday after christmas which damon is preaching uh we sometimes call that cannonball sunday because uh in the olden days when we actually had people in the church the sunday after christmas uh the old adage was that you could shoot a cannonball from the pulpit out the back door and not hit anyone although um our church is pretty faithful in attending church the Sunday after Christmas. And so we can't call it Cannonball Sunday. Uh, we, we do have a tradition that Damon started, which is inviting back uh, graduates of our youth program who are in college now to help lead that service. Um, and they've, uh, they've helped with music or, or readings or, or whatever. Um, unfortunately, because of COVID, I think that's not happening this year. But I hope that's a tradition that we continue next year when we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always a delightful tradition and I always enjoy uh, watching the service with uh, with the college students as part of it so mm-hmm. but for now Damon will be preaching next Sunday and I will open us with a word of prayer and we'll get into a little study of the scripture for that day okay let's pray gracious and loving God the countdown to Christmas is nearly over the countdown to us celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. One of the greatest gifts we ever receive is wrapped in flesh. It is the gift of your son, perhaps the greatest gift we've ever received. And so as we prepare to celebrate that gift that we have received, and as we prepare in the strange COVID time to celebrate a holiday, missing out on some of our favorite traditions, missing out perhaps on the opportunity to gather with family, We ask that uh, your presence move among us, make us aware of all of the ways that you are still with us in this time. Help us connect to our family in ways that uh, might be different this year. We continue to pray as well for that the vaccine is widely distributed and is effective and that uh, at some point, Lord, in in the coming year, we can return to some sense of normal. Although we also ask that we take the lessons we've learned from this COVID time and and apply those so that we can be a stronger and more beloved community even once things return to normal. This morning, bless our reading of your holy word and bless our understanding of that word so that it may help us more fully understand who you are, God, who we are as your followers, and ultimately understand your love for us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we just, uh, a little bit of scripture passage for Sunday comes to us from the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke, uh, verses 22 through 40. And it reads, uh, it reads along these lines. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, him being the baby Jesus, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man of Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. 
and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began, and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Here ends this reading. This is where I would ask you, Greg, what do you got? And uh, fortunately, you're the one preaching on this. So, uh, Damon, uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the, 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 Christmas narrative really only occurs in, in Matthew and Luke, and we sort of knit them together when we tell the Christmas story. Um, and then there's this massive gap in time between Jesus' infancy and, and Jesus' earthly ministry, and we only get very few stories. This is one of the stories, although it's still sort of an infancy narrative. Um, and in Matthew, they've, they've fled. Yeah. Uh, King Herod, and here in Luke, perhaps this is when they came back. We don't know the exact timeline. Uh, and, uh, and so we have baby Jesus, child Jesus, and then there's, there's one other story of Jesus uh, going with his parents to, uh, to the temple for Passover when he's like 12 years old. And so it's just interesting to get a little bit of an insight into Jesus beyond the birth narrative in the manger and the, beyond the start of his earthly ministry when he was about 30 years old. So that's, uh, that's interesting. And then, of course, uh, Simeon's prophecy uh, is is an interesting one. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's um, so. Th this, at least in the in the funeral liturgy that I'm most familiar with, um, the from the United Church of Christ, uh, we use this little bit of part of this prophecy um, during a funeral liturgy. Um, the Master, you are now, now dismiss your dismiss now your servant in peace according to your word. Yeah, uh, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for your revelation uh, to the Gentiles and to the glory of your people Israel. We leave out the second half <laughs> um, of the prophecy, which I don't know. It's it's an interesting sort of thing to know. I, this is one of those passages of scripture that. Um, 
contains it contains this shadow within it. Um, there's this there's this foreshadowing of there are, there are heavy things to come in this as well. And the second half of that it really carries that out that the child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, right? Um, and to be a sign that will be opposed. And the, and the little line that if you were Mary and you heard this would, would have to haunt you. Um, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Um, I, and I like these bits of scripture that give us this, this more full depiction um, that there, there's joy in the birth of the child. There's celebration. There's awe and wonder and amazement and there are all of these things and there's also this there's going to be difficulty in this as well right and there's hardness in following this path i guess that this that this child is going to follow right uh and the difficulty for jesus it ends in his death on the cross right um and I think that there's something about that that says to us and for us about what faith looks like in its totality, um, that there is joy and there is celebration and there is comfort uh, in being part of the faith and being part of a community of faith. Uh, and there is hardship in, in trying to live these things out as well. Like there's, there's hardship in trying to love your enemy. Um, there's difficulty in trying to always choose the righteous thing, um, the just act, the kind thing, the merciful thing, the gracious thing. Um, those are not those are not always easy tasks, um, and they will set you in opposition to things. And uh, and, I, and I so I, I like that this I like this mix of light and shadow, however we want to think about it going on in this passage. Yeah, I, yeah. It's interesting, too, because um, earlier in Luke, we, we have the Annunciation, and, uh, and then Mary sings the Magnificat, which is from Luke, where she proclaims what she knows will be coming with this child. And then, and then we get to this passage as well. And um, the, the line in here, the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Uh, I like that because there's a continual sense of amazement of God at work. Like they've, the angel appeared to Mary, Mary sang the Magnificat. She said she, she, she knows what's happening. And yet even now, Simeon gives this prophecy, which is totally consistent with uh, what she's already said, and there's still this sense of amazement that the wonderment of God and God's work in the world um, is a continual sense of amazement. You imagine being being the bearer of Christ, being Mary, um, and uh, just I just I, I love that there's still this this sense of amazement here. I wonder, like after multiple sleepless nights and. Uh, changing dirty diapers and perhaps if Jesus was, I mean, we don't know if Jesus was a colicky baby or not, uh, <laughs> you know, was she still amazed as she raised him? And, and, and we, we talked last week a bit about um, in the Bible study, I don't remember if we did it 
here at the uh, Monday check-in, but uh, about Jesus being fully human and fully divine. And, and there's a humanity side of this and a divinity side to this. And, and, you know, Mary and Joseph had the front row seats to all of that. And I love that they were continually amazed, even as God continued revealing God's self to them through this process, which they would raise the Christ child. Um, and so you have Simeon's prophecy and then you have Anna's prophecy. Um, and yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that, that, that I'm reminded of, of two things, right? Uh, one, if you, if you've ever participated in the, in the planning and the throwing of a party, right? Uh, so you start off with, oh, we should throw a party because it'll be fun, right? And so, and so there's this sort of wonder and excitement and sort of amazement about, yeah, let's do this. This will be great, right? And then it's a lot of work <laughs> to do it, right? And then you finally, you get the, the parties going. And if you're lucky in the middle of it, you're able to pause and kind of take a step back and just kind of observe it all. And like, yes, this is a good thing. Like, I'm, I'm joyous that this is taking place, right? It's amazing that there's people here that like us. <laughs> we like them and that's a good thing right um and then it's a lot of work again because you got to clean everything up you got to put it away you got to do all that sort of stuff and then the next day you wake up and you find a quiet moment and you think back to the night before and you think that was that was really great like <laughs> I really enjoyed that and the way that you were describing this sort of this refreshing of this awe and amazement at the work of God um, sort of made me think of that experience of all of the different times that we sort of are able to look, to gaze upon those sort of miraculous things, I guess, in our lives. And with that sense of awe and wonder um, and amazement. And the other thing that I thought of related to this passage is uh, I'm assuming that you have been in a room with a newly born child, um, perhaps, and especially with like, with a group of adults, right? Like there's a group of adults and a newly born child, right? And each adult takes a turn holding the child and they look at the child and they look at its fingers and its toes and they all take a turn imagining what this child will become, right? <laughs> like the one that I hear all the time is kids kids are born ill-proportioned. <laughs> so they have long fingers and toes in, in relation to the rest of their body. Uh, and so every, every kid that I've ever been around when they were born was going to be a world-class piano player because they <laughs> all have really long fingers in relation. But I get this sense as well of, and I think communities of faith, I think we still do that. When we see a child baptized, um, I think everybody sort of takes a turn imagining what this child might become, um, who this child might grow into, how the community of faith might help to form that. Um, and so some of this just seems so incredibly natural to me that a baby comes into a place of worship and everybody's, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing <laughs> ever. Um, and, and there's and there's work involved in that too, but those are two things that that reminded me of. I love that, and it's um, of course this is the Christ child that's coming into the temple, 
uh, and and there are folks there that recognize the the divinity of the Christ child, which which you've described is also the magic of the humanity of um, of a newborn child and and a community of faith, and and how that community of faith comes around that child and that family, and um, and when we are at our very best as a community of faith, uh, that's that that situation is sacred, it is holy in some way. Uh, you've made me even rethink my baptismal liturgy and, and, and writing something in there about just holding this child and, and, and all of the dreams of everybody seated there for what this child may become. And uh, we don't know, uh, but, but here we are as a community of faith prepared to help raise this child in the faith um, so that the child can become, can, can fully live into God's plan for, for the child. And uh, of course, God's plan for this particular child that we read about in Luke 2 is, uh, is unique. Um, yeah. Uh, but certainly, nonetheless, I think there's some beautiful parallels there that you draw out, Damon. Um, yeah, and, and we, we've got a backlog of kids to baptize here once things return to normal, and I can't wait for that, and I can't wait to share that with you and um, share that with our faith community, and um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great scripture. Yeah, so maybe, so maybe I'll talk about babies. I don't know. I'm also, while we were reading this, this Anna lady, right? Uh-huh. Who just lives at the temple. Now, maybe I'm going to put you on the spot. Maybe you don't know this. So Anna, she's a, she was a widow, right? She lived with her husband for seven years, we're told. Uh, I assume would have gotten married, I don't know, in her late teens or 20s, maybe, just because that was kind of the practice at the time, right? Yeah. Um, and then was married for seven years, was a widow until she was 80. She was 84 at the time of the story, right? As a character in the story, she's 84. How many of those years did she, was she living at the temple? And like, I mean, was it fairly, like, would the temple have been a place where widows being vulnerable have been able to go to receive support from the community? Um, and as a place for, I assume that she would have received food from temple goers or from the priests at the temple, perhaps as well. Um, she's an interesting character to me. Yeah. You know, when we were reading through this, it occurred to me, is this the, the archetype or, or sort of the model for, um, for the monastic lifestyle for women for becoming nuns? Um, oh. And I wonder, I don't know, not being Roman Catholic, I, I don't know how much they they tie this, but this notion of her, she never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. And that sounds a lot like uh, what happens in convents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I do wonder if, if uh, there's some connection there. Um, I love that they, they named her too. You know, women aren't often named in the Bible. Um, she has a name. Uh, we even learn about her parentage. She's the daughter of Manuel of the tribe of Asher. Um, and at the moment she came and began to praise God and speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption <laughs> of Jerusalem. I just, yeah. It's, Doesn't that just, it's, that's like, that's like proud grandma. That's like happy aunt. That's 
They come here and let me show you. I have pictures on my phone. Here they are. Yeah. Aren't we all so excited about this? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a beautiful passage and uh, one that obviously is, is preached once every three years on the Sunday after Christmas when that happens, when it's not a cannonball Sunday. But <laughs> I think it'll be fun to see, uh, to see what you do with this, Damon. And I look forward to, uh, yeah, to hearing yeah. where this goes. Yeah. I think it'll preach. I think, I think it's preachable. Yeah. Um, should, we, should we switch gears? And roll Let's over to the life of the church portion of our time together. Yeah, yeah. And so it's December 21st. We have Christmas Eve here on Thursday, the 24th. Um, we're excited to uh, be able to share two Christmas Eve services with our church this year. It's going to look a little different. We're not going to be doing Christmas Eve uh, services in our sanctuary. But uh, at 5.30 p.m., we're going to do a drive-in Christmas Eve service at the Hastings College Football Stadium parking lot. Uh, we want cars to start arriving at five o'clock, no earlier, and we'll have volunteers out there who are handing out bulletins and battery-operated candles, as well as there's a pack for kids if you bring your children. It's got some stickers and activities and that sort of thing. And, uh, and then starting at 5.30, uh, Damon and I will be standing on the steps of the, the basketball stadium uh, entrance, and we're going to do a worship service, and it'll be primarily over KICS 15.50 a.m., uh, so you'll just tune your car radio to that and be able to sit there in the warmth of your car while Damon and I sit in the cold of the Christmas Eve night air, uh, preparing to be doing some jumping jacks and stuff, some calisthenics. We're going to call them uh, Christmas stars though. We're not going to do jumping jacks. We're going to be doing some Christmas stars, Christmas stars. Stay warm. And we, uh, what, what we're doing is, is we're actually pulling recordings of, of music from previous Christmas Eve services. So when we get to the hymns and we'll sing almost all of your favorite Christmas hymns at the service, as we do every year at Christmas Eve, uh, you're actually going to hear the congregation singing from last year or, or a few years ago. Uh, the live music was not going to be possible doing it from the steps of the college uh, football or basketball stadium there. Uh, so that'll be great. Uh, and it's going to be just a wonderful celebration. Like I said, battery operated candles. So we'll have a candle at silent night. And then I will, uh, at the, at the end, invite you to take those candles home with you and carry the light of Christ into the world, uh, and the magic of, of Christmas. And so that's at five 30. Uh, and then at 11 o'clock, if you're a night owl, uh, going live on our church's Facebook page will be a service from our chapel, um, through the magic of technology, we may or may not actually be present in the chapel at 11 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Uh, we, we pre-recorded that, but we'll be premiering that, uh, that, that on our Facebook Live page. So also, uh, and that's more of a contemplative evensong evening prayer style service. And uh, we did record that last week and it was a very meaningful service for me there recording it. And I think for the musicians that were there and we also had some amazing tech crew, Eric Nielsen and Ross Drews helped out with that too. So that went super well. Um, so that's what Christmas Eve looks like this year. Um, yeah. We're still doing our Advent devotional. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I certainly can. I will uh, mention also that 11 o'clock service. Uh, if you are not a night owl, um, but would still maybe really enjoy that, um, check it out Christmas morning. It'll be there uh, into perpetuity, one might imagine, uh, as will that 5.30 service um, that's going to also live stream on our Facebook page at the same time. So if yes. you can't get to the stadium, 
Uh, you can still, if you're in the Hastings area, you can still listen on the radio, uh, or you can also just find the church's Facebook page, uh, and it'll be live streamed there as well. So the Advent devotional, which hopefully everyone received, uh, if you didn't and you're looking for one, let us know. We can still get you one. No big deal. Uh has been combined. There's a reverse Advent calendar portion to it. We're asking folks, uh, we have a list of items that some of our vital ministry partners in Hastings are in need of at this time, and we've asked the congregation to collect those items. Uh, if you have collected those and would like to drop them by the church, you are welcome to do so anytime during regular business hours. Uh, the parlor is set up for you to just come in, sort them out real quick, drop them off, and then be on your way. And also, Kylie Wenberg, the parish associate, has uh, taken to creating these five-for-five five spiritual practices. And uh, during Advent, at least, she has paired them with the Advent devotional. And we've been sharing little videos from Kylie during worship services. Uh, those videos explaining the five-for-five five practice for the week are being posted onto YouTube, the church's YouTube page, so you can find them there as well. And they're just really, they're simple um, prayer practices that uh, are helping us to sort of uh, send down deeper roots, I guess, into the season of Advent, and to really kind of explore our spiritual faith, um, even amidst this time of COVID separation and isolation. So uh, I we strongly, strongly, strongly recommend you finding those and, and diving into them um, during the during the week and during the time ahead. Yeah, the the five for five. It's it's we're encouraging you to spend five minutes a day, five days a week, uh, doing one of these spiritual practices. So the one for last week uh, was great. We took one of the items that's being donated and we said, "How is God like?" And I think Kylie put us on the spot and had us talk about how God is like a stick of deodorant. Um, and she did a great job uh, for the service. She did How's God like a cough drop. And then um, she's done it once more too. Uh, anyways, that was great. Uh, this week, uh, she's encouraging us to uh, try to remember the exact phrase. Uh, Christ is born in me. Is that right? I think it's may Christ be born in me. May Christ be born in me. And to just take that one phrase uh, to read a prayer for the day and then just reflect for five minutes on how can Christ be born in me this week? Um, and she encouraged a number of different practices, either repeating that phrase over and over or saying it once and sitting in silence, different ways to just reflect with that phrase on this week of Christmas. So just really meaningful stuff. And it sounds like Kylie's going to continue these five for five practices uh, through uh, Epiphany, through the month of January and February until we get to uh, the season of Lent. So I'm excited for that because they have really helped ground my faith. Um, and they're great ways for us to grow our faith and our spiritual practices when we can't be meeting in person for worship. Uh, and that was really kind of what this was about. It was a chance to, to do that uh, because we're not meeting for person in person for worship to uh, continue to grow in our faith and spirituality in this time. So, all right, uh, Christian Ed, both for adults and kids, is taking a little break until January. So uh, you have a, a, a break from that, but we'll, we'll update you once we get that kicked back off come January. Um, and the last thing I think we've got is just that the church office will be closed on the week from uh, Christmas to New Year's. And so uh, if there's a need, let us know, call and leave a message at the church office phone. We will be picking up messages if there's a pastoral care need or something like that. 
uh, and then otherwise uh, we'll all be back the, the first week of January. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, and um, next week after Christmas, uh, you are on a little bit of a, a time off for that week, right? Yes, um, I'm going to go ahead and recommend that we that that Monday check in takes a break All next right. week, and that we return uh, in the in the new Gregorian calendar year, um, which you know is always behind the times in terms of the liturgical year. Indeed. Uh, yep. So, so we'll that take a little good. we'll take a little bit of a break on. Um, Monday the 28th, I think that that would be, uh, but then we'll return for the Monday check-in uh, that first week of January. So Sounds good. All right. So until then, I guess toodaloo.